Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so the Rays move further west. They go play the Seattle Mariners, which will be a great series uh, coming up this weekend, as well as free agency begins in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So we'll be following some of the moves there. Uh, any chance, Steve, that the that the Lightning add or more subtraction, perhaps, for their guys? Well, they may add a. You're not going to add a big name player. You're not. Yeah. You're not signing a you know five six million dollar year eight million dollar year player. You sure. may sign some guys for a million a year, like Corey Perry, Pierre Edward Belmar, the past those kind of guys. Okay. Um, so you know because they do have some roster spots to fill. But you're not mm-hmm. gonna, you're not in the big free agent market of you know we're gonna sign this guy seven years at seven million a year. Sure, you, know, you don't have the cap space for that. So, right. So it'll be it'll be it'll be tempered for sure. We've got your mailbag questions, of course, that you have submitted, answered one hundred percent correctly, or your money back, and that's the key. Uh, hello, as Herm Edwards would say. Yeah, so we don't like to up. give money back. We we're well. God knows, um, yeah, when you've made as little as we have, you don't want to give it back. Um, but I, I still defy people to find out where I've been wrong, but that's your challenge. <laughs> All right, um, before we get to those questions, though, I want to tell you guys how to save money on your electric bill. It's May Electric Solar. That's right. We've been talking about them forever. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems now for 13 years. In the area, a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric is committed to you for the long term. How long will they guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty? Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. That is what they're calling the May difference if you visit their Hudson showroom. May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing so you know exactly uh, what they're going to install for you, and they're going to customize it to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. That's important. So you know all those people up there are Billy Mays guys. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long and preserve those appliances through every storm season. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, so we're going to wrap up the week with some of your mailbag questions. Let's get started. All right, Michael had emailed you, and he says, I think this happened in 2008 and catapulted the Rays to the World Series. B.J. Upton and Evan Longoria in a public display of anger towards each other in a dugout pushing match. Unusual for Longoria? Was that his only show of public anger? I can't remember many more. I remember that incident. I don't know if it was in the World Series push or not. I, I, I'm not that astute in terms of like race history yet. Um, but I, I do think that it sort of reinforced sort of Longo as, you know, the alpha, the alpha dog of, of the clubhouse. 
Um, as I recall the incident, and I don't know every detail, I think he was upset about perhaps a lack of hustle, something like that. Um, so from that standpoint, I, you know, you, you can go one of two ways with this stuff where you can have a team that, you know, splits apart because of, of an interaction or, or something that goes like, or it can galvanize you. And I think, I think it was one of those deals where, you know, BJ was a younger player and it was sort of like, we have a new standard. This was a team that had lost a hundred games a year, every year until Longoria showed up as a rookie and won rookie of the year. And then their fortunes changed. So the more that they could get away from what they used to do uh, to what they're going to be was, was better. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't, it, it seemed to me to be an important time for that franchise. It, it, it even further established, you know, Longo as the voice, as, as the leader of that, of that baseball team. But the great thing is, is that, um, BJ did not take it wrongly. Like he took it well and, you know, for what he was getting on about lack of hustle or whatever, it was legit. Uh, I don't think the Longoria was one to sort of fly off the handle uh, and jump teammates. So that's why it was so impactful was that Evan wasn't that guy. Like he was not the guy that called many people out. So it, it I think it struck a nerve. And, and at the end of the day, what did they do? They went to the World Series. All right, Craig had uh, tweeted us. He says, we tried to get Evan Longoria back and it didn't happen. Could we try to get another race player back at the deadline? Blake Snell is an unrestricted free agent after this season. Padres are not in contention. They also lost their television deal. Could he and Kevin Cash be together again? <laughs> I love this. Um, boy, did Blake Snell have a statement game. Woof, did he pitch well against Kevin Cash in the Rays last time that the Rays were out there in San Diego. Um, look, up for anybody that can come here under their salary cap situation and 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 throw hard and pitch well. Um, I don't know that Blake Snell is necessarily the guy you're going to trade for. I think there'll be some guys in the bullpen for sure. Maybe a starter here or there. I think you have to be selective. You don't want to reach and give up a ton of compensation. But Snell, you know, given his contract status, is is going to be a a player that a lot of teams talk about. Um, I I don't necessarily see them doing that. But would Kevin Cash in in the removal of him? Is there some bad blood there that? would affect no I, I that's that's ancient history to me at this point um but uh he certainly was motivated to pitch against them against them in san diego uh i think and, the bigger he, issue is look he's not had a good season for san diego not overall no. now he had a great game against the rays he did but mm-hmm. do the rays see in him that he could be a good enough starter for them down the stretch like, do they and think maybe, they think his issues this year are either fixable, right. whether it's you know tipping pitches or whether it's mechanics or what, or or do they think he's just not at that level at this point? And, right. and, and no idea what they think. I mean, they obviously have scouts watching players and that. Right. But you know, I, I think anybody that they think can make them a better team, they will look to go after. I totally agree. Yep. I mean, you have to be all in this year. Hmm. Yeah. And pitching is your biggest need. Although, lately, the bats might need some help, too. But They've gotten a little silent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that pitching, Ryan had tweeted us. 
He said, I was in total agreement with you about Yanni Chirinos and why he wasn't starting, but after his last two starts, maybe there's a reason why he was in Durham. Oh, no question. I think there was. And, you know, this is a guy that I think Steve didn't have Tommy John at one point mm-hmm. not that long ago. Um, he's never been a power pitcher. He's always been a guy that pitches to contact. I can't explain it, and it might be why they did move him down. Uh, and when he was up here last, he got racked. But, you know, he's somebody that's not going to overpower any lineup, any hitter, you know whatever he tops out if it's in the 90s is it's low 90s but he has a lot of movement a lot of heavy sinker on it and i i felt bad because i was singing his praises a little bit you know i thought that Sharinos was sort of like a guy that they should just throw him out there and you know he's he could be consistent enough but um clearly his last outing was not good now that you know you don't just judge a guy on one or two outings. Uh, he's going to get more opportunities to pitch. And they, frankly, they need him to pitch well. You know, um, he's a guy that could eat up some innings for them. So we'll see. It was a bad performance. And that's what happens when you're, a, you know, a sinker ball pitcher like that. But I wouldn't give up on him. And, and I appreciate you bought into him like I did. But I, I think there's more to Yanni than, than what we've seen. I think he'll, He'll work through it and get it straightened out. And and maybe you just don't, you know, put him in situations. Uh, and, you know, does he start games? Is he a, uh, is he a bulk guy? Is he a, uh, you know, two-inning opener? Like, I don't know what you can do. Obviously, the more they go through the lineup, the more they get on him. Um, but it, it was, certainly was disappointing. It was a step back. They're not done with him yet, though. He he They still have a lot of confidence that he can become a, a really good major league pitcher, I think. All right, Ryan had tweeted us. He says, think the Rays will look past the 2020 incidents when it comes to the Araldis Chapman sweepstakes, or does the front office do what they normally do and find an under-the-radar type, i.e. Pete Fairbanks, Nick Anderson, J.P. Fireisen? Rays are definitely needing another power arm or two in the pen. I don't know what this is, but in my mind, it doesn't feel like they're going after a, a, a Chapman to me. I think it's more likely that, I don't know, that they find someone from another. And not that they, that it's the bad blood per se. Um, I don't know I if they think, think I don't be, know if they think he's good enough at this point. Well, that's the thing. Like, he, he, can he get, can he impress you with a radar gun? Yes. Is he somebody who can get people out on a consistent basis, like a good lineup? I don't I don't know that you know that yet. You know? There's just no no real proof to it. So you need a power arm. I don't know that it's his. I, I, I do think though, you know, more guys you can get that throw over the plate at close to a hundred, that's what I want to see if I'm a if I'm a Rays um fan or somebody that's in the organization. I want to see more power arms, swing and miss guys. Uh, high leverage guys, guys that have been in that in that situation before. I don't know that it's Chapman. I, I'm not convinced of it, but he is among. He's in the subset. He's he's got the traits or all of that. Is there bad blood? No blood. I I, I don't know. I think when when you put on the uniform and you're you know you have new teammates and you're going to help them win. Not that all is forgiven, but like you know you root for the guy to be successful at that point, and he's part of your you know, your regime. So, um, but I, I'm not, 
I'm not willing to say, yeah, that's the guy. Like, they need to do something. I don't know that it stops and starts with, with Chapman right now. All right, Tommy had tweeted us. He asked, any update on Drew Rasmussen? Does it look like he will be able to come back this season? Steve, you probably know more about this than me, but I, I have not heard any indications that they expect Rasmussen or certainly Springs to be back at all. Do you? Well, Springs is having Tommy John. He will not. He's not going to be able done, to be back until yeah. mid next season. Maybe at the early next year. Yeah. I did right. reach out to Mark Topkin when we got this question, so I have oh, the good. definitive answer. He says okay. uh, not yet. They don't have an idea because he's still in his eight week shutdown period. So oh, they were shutting him okay. down for eight weeks, and then we're going to evaluate him at that point. We're not to that point yet, so there is no update. There's still possibility he could be back by the end of the year. But at this point, they don't know how that's reading at this point. So to make sure it was answered 100% correct, I got with Mark Top. <laughs> well, that's what we do. See, we, we have we, – we phone a friend. It's what we do. <laughs> it's like the old the old Revis show or whatever. Uh, um, yeah. So Tompkins the best. He's the best authority. And again, or your money back. Mm-hmm. Tommy emailed another or tweeted another question in. He said, "I heard it's a possibility Brandon Lau could be back next homestand. I know he's been struggling, but with him in the lineup and hopefully healthy, will it make other guys in the lineup get better pitches to hit?" I think we, we got a variation of this the other day. I I really believe that that you know for Lau, um. He's not been right, so I don't know if you're looking at him to change the fortunes of the guys around him or, or you know, be a protector in the lineup or you can't pitch around people. Like, he's just got to get back to being healthy. And if he can swing it the way he knows how to swing it, and I, I think he probably went a, a stretch there where he fooled himself into thinking he was okay and he wasn't. Um, he can carry you for a solid month. But right now... No one's fearing Brandon Lau. Um, you know, until you start hitting the ball out of the yard or get the average up, you know, well above 200. Um, it's more about can he get himself healthy? Can he get himself back in that groove? And if he can, we know what he's capable of. We know he's capable of, you know, for a solid month, you know, carrying you with home runs. But it's not like you're waiting on Brandon Lau. I, I think you're pretty much proceeding as if you're not going to have them. And if you do, it's it's a great thing, right? Whether it's a DH, left-handed off the bat, whatever. Um, but right now, I, I, I don't, I don't think that that, that this, that's not necessarily what they're waiting for to, to, you know, take their offense to the next level. Yeah. I don't think it takes it to the next level, but I think it does put some, some guys like Taylor Walls back into a more advantageous spot. That's fair. That's you know, very fair. He's not playing every day. And, and, there you go. And he's facing the type of pitchers that he's going to be more successful against. That benefit him, yes. You know, once once Brendan Lau went out, Taylor Walls started playing more. And, and I don't want to say exposed more, but. But, no, that's a good word, actually. You know, I, I think it is a good word. You know, I mean, that's one of the things the Rays do very well is put people in positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and not put them in in disadvantaged matchups, right? You know whether it's you know a starting pitcher or even late in the game, the way they use their pinch hitters in that, they're very good at that, right? And and when you have a guy like Brendan Lau go down, even though he's struggling offensively, I think it it hurt Taylor Walls 
to all of a sudden he had to play every day. And, and not defensively. More, yeah. I mean, defensively he's been great. Yeah. But at the offensive part, and we've seen Taylor Walsh, who started the season so hot, struggle right. of late. And, you know, I think, you know, when you get a full lineup back, it allows people to be in their comfortable positions and, 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 and you can put them in more advantageous situations so that they can succeed more often than they don't. Yeah, no, it makes great sense. You know, you, you lengthen your lineup, you you fortify your defense, you get guys days off and, and, and not expect them to be um, everyday players. So it would definitely benefit him. I just don't know that he's going to go out there, you know, and hit you 30 in the last month. I, I, I don't know what to expect. I really think he's injured. Uh, I think I thought that from the beginning the start of the season i think it's affected the way he has swung the bat and even though he's gone gone through these you know slumps before um you know hopefully he can get it done physically because i i think that's the component that's bothering him i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today All right, we'll switch to the Lightning now, and Kyle had tweeted us. He says, will Tampa look for a younger backup goalie for the right price, value and cap-wise? Well, I think younger only because Elliot's going to retire and, and he's up that age. Well, we where think he, would... he might. I mean, we don't, we we don't, don't know, know that. It's yeah. kind of the impression everyone kind of took at the end of the season. His son came out as the Thunder Kid in the final game. He started that final game at home. It, it just kind yeah. of had that feel to it, but that doesn't mean he is retiring. And it's possible he could come back. Even if he's not, it doesn't mean that the light. It also doesn't mean that the Lightning are going to have him as their backup, mm-hmm. right? That's true. Even if, even if he continues to to say, "I want to play," we don't know that he's going to play here. Um, I mean, I I tend to think they're going to find a new goaltender uh, to back up Vasilevsky, and perhaps one that will play more. I think that's the bigger key. I think based on Andre Vasilevsky's performance last year, based on his comments after the season, talking yeah. about after about 35 games, he kind of got hurt and never really got right. Yeah. Um, and he's always talked about the mental side of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and quite frankly, he's getting older too. I mean, he's still in his prime. But nearly but, 30. Right? But, you know, every year you get a little older. And so – you know, I think he learns how to take care of his body better and, and take practices off, et cetera. I mean, they give goalies a lot of leeway that way. But I think you're going to look for the backup goalie this year, whether it's Brian Elliott or whether it's somebody else, to play more games than they've played. I think Andre Vasilevsky usually plays about 60-ish. He may be down to 52-53. You know, mm. where now your backup goalie's playing 25 to 30 games instead of 20. Okay. Um, you know, I, I expect that. Now, the schedule's actually more advantageous this year. There's not as many back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. For a goalie, if he wants to play every other day, Vasilevsky could. But I, I think the Lightning, based on Vasilevsky's performance last year and his comments and and just, you know, it's about process over outcome and, and about the playoffs that, you know what, if Vasilevsky plays a few less games, particularly if they get off to a hot start, 
Right. You know, I mean, that always helps. If if you get off to a hot start, then you've got you're not chasing the playoffs. You mm-hmm. know, if you're sitting comfortably as they were last year, you know, by January, we pretty much knew it was going to be Toronto and Tampa Bay in the first round. Boston was running away with everything. Mm-hmm. Toronto and Tampa Bay were leaps ahead of Florida and Buffalo and Detroit and and Ottawa. You know, it, they knew they were in a playoff spot by midway through the season. You know, if you can do that again this year, then you, it allows you a lot of flexibility to play your backup goalie more and not have to lean on Andre Vasilevsky, which would be ideal for them. But I, I do think whoever the backup is, whether it's Brian Elliott or whether you sign a younger goalie, you know. I mean, the hard part about a backup goalie is, and you say younger, I mean, it's hard to get older than Brian Elliott, who's 38 now. But you're not necessarily looking for a prospect that's up and coming, you know, like you had Louis Domingue a few years ago you traded for, you know, who's right. looking to make his mark. You're looking probably more for guys like Brian Elliott on the downside of their career that are willing to be the backup and take some of those, a lot of the practices and this, and, you know, know the routine. You know, sure. I mean, the backup goalie does so much things that people don't realize in practices. All those guys that stay after practice and, you know, the extra skaters and, and mm-hmm. the, the guys rehabbing and, and doing all those works and, and you know, every off day you're there and, you know, where the, the starting goalie takes a lot of those days off and doesn't go to practice sure. in those skates. And, and the backup goalie is doing so much of that. You pr- More than likely it's going to be a veteran now. Younger than 38 as Brian Elliott is. If it's not Elliott, yes, of course, most likely. But you're not looking for necessarily – you know, Andre Vasilevsky when Ben Bishop was here. But Andre was so good, you had to bring him up. And, and remember, it kind of caused problems. They were trying to do 1A, 1B. Yeah. And yeah. neither goalie was doing really well with it. And then eventually they traded Ben Bishop to the Kings and, you know, got Eric Chernak in that trade, which turned out to be a fantastic trade for the the Lightning. That was a good move, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, younger, yes, most likely if it's not Elliot, but you're, you're looking for a veteran that's – you know, over having to be a starter all the time, I'm willing to be a backup and, and play that role. Curtis McElhinney is that role. way. Brian Elliott. Yep. Maybe a little younger than than uh, than Elliott, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, I I think that's that's the job yep. description for sure. And one willing to play for about a million a year. <laughs> or yeah, there's that. You know. Uh, Kyle also tweeted, he says, will Tampa go after players who are either bought out or veterans who don't cost too much, such as Oliver ekman Larson? They have no salary cap room, Steve. How much How much can they go after players who don't, quote-unquote, cost too much? Well, and we talked about this last night. As, as players get bought out, Oliver ekman Larson's one of those guys. So whatever's remaining on their contract, it gets bought out so that it they're paid less this year, but they're paid out over a course of time to get paid that money. They still get every penny that they were promised. You just get it later. Kind of the Bobby Bonilla deal, who's still mm-hmm. getting paid by the Mets. Or Ken Griffey Jr., who's, by the way, the third highest played player on the Reds this year. <laughs> <laughs> just just for example. Crazy, right? Jeez. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's kind of like that way. So Kevin Shattenkirk was that way a few years ago. He had been bought out by the Rangers. So the Lightning were able to sign him for, and I don't remember how much they signed him for. It was a million or two a year. I think it was close to two million a year, uh, two, maybe two and a quarter, something like that. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, he's a five or six million dollar a year player. 
But because he was getting paid by New York, he could go take a lot less money because he got that money guaranteed. They bought him out, didn't want him anymore. Oh, yeah. So then you can go play for less because you don't need – so you can go play for a winning team that doesn't have cap space, get a couple million on top of what you're already getting paid. <laughs> I mean, you get basically double dipping when you get bought out. Yeah, you are. Uh, just yeah. some of your money's delayed. Uh, so you can you can accept less. So, yes, I think they absolutely will be looking out for those veterans. Um, and as more and more get bought out, we'll see Kevin Shattenkirk, if I recall, that happened like in September, like right before training Late. camp. It was yeah. it wasn't at free agency here in July. It was later. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was one of those they weren't necessarily looking at him. And all of a sudden he became available. So then you start talking and yeah, but yeah, we will sign in. He wanted to come to Tampa Bay and, you know, it worked out for both sides that way. So I, I absolutely. I mean, they have to look at every option. They're not signing the free agents for seven years at you know six, seven, eight million a year. They don't have that cap space. I mean, right. Their money's all tied up in guys like Stamkos and Hedman and Kucherov and Vasilevsky and now Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Chernak. That's the core. That's where their money is. So everybody else is now le- a lot less money and, and mostly a million, million and a half, two million. We'll see if they can re-sign Alex Kalorn. He might be a three million dollar a year player, but. Everybody else is going to, you know, Nick Paul's in that $3 million range uh, with his deal from last year. But, you know, they don't have any of those guys in that five, $6 million anymore. Now that Palat's gone, Kalorn's, you know, will be on a new deal, whether it's with the Lightning or someone else. So, I mean, it, mm. it's everything they do right now for the next year or so has got to be at, at a, a discounted rate. Next year, presumably the salary cap may go up a few million instead of one. Maybe it's three, maybe it's four. And Steven Stamkos' contract comes off the books next year. Now, oh, I, wow. I think he'll be back in Tampa Bay if he still wants to play, but I, it'll be at a much less number. It's not going to be eight and a half million. So, yeah. if if your salary cap goes up, let's say it goes up three to four million, and Stamkos takes a deal for three or four million a year, that's all speculation. But also, now you've freed up eight million dollars in your cap. Right. For next year. So, you know, the cap starts to get a little clearer and better, and then Hedman falls off a year after that. Um, so, you know, some of the, the being able to, to make some bigger moves can happen another year or two, especially if the cap starts to go up in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to thread the needle here. I mean, they've, they've got a combination of uh, very good veteran players. Obviously, the goaltender is the key. Mm-hmm. Still got Stamkos. You still have... Um, you know, obviously Braden Point and some great, like I said, some superstar type. Yeah, he's the other name I didn't mention in there as far as the core, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Braden Point. he's he's a huge part of the core, and you know, fifty goal scorer now. So uh, I think they're going to be good for a long time. I I said this the other day. We talked about it. I I just want to see what fresh legs mean to them. I want to see what an off season means to them when you're not just trying to rehab stuff, but actually training to get ready for the year. Um, I think they're going to come out flying. I think they're going to be motivated. And, you know, Andre will obviously have to come up with a routine that fits him well, and they need a backup goaltender and all of that. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see the Lightning this year. I, I think this was a, you know, however it happened, didn't want to lose early, but may have been, in a weird way, one of the best things for them. And I'll be surprised if they're not if they're not flying around playing well. And to start the year, I really will. I think there'll be some urgency to them. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's all about the postseason at the end of the day, and they're, they're no strangers to that. 
All right, we'll switch to Bucks real quick. And Greg had tweeted us. He says, what players have to take a big leap in production for the Buccaneers to make the playoffs this year? Well, aside from the fact that they got two new quarterbacks, <laughs> I mean, you know, you start there, right? You say, well, Kyle Trask, if he's a starter, Baker Mayfield, if he's not, have to take a huge leap from where they were. Kyle, obviously not having played here, but nine passing attempts. Um, Baker coming over for the first time. I would say of the guys that are sort of returning, you look at the offensive line and you say, okay, if this line is going to work, right, if we're just going to reshuffle the deck, as it were, um, you have to have a guy like Tristan Wirfs be able to make the transition. And you have to have Luke Gedeke be a very adequate or better than adequate right tackle position he played in college, okay? So you're you're basically just sort of shuffling the deck on the offensive line, moving pieces around. They got to play big. I mean, they just have to. Um, I think defensively, if Joe Tryon Shawinka doesn't continue to plateau with four and a half sacks a year, um, you might have a chance. You know, they've worked with him, and, you know, there are certain techniques and things that he does when he when he gets around the quarterback, the point of attack, he needs to get the guy on the ground, but four and a half sacks a year is not going to get it. So you have to have some production from him. Uh, I think in the secondary, um, you know, there's there's always challenges. There's always changes. And I think Antoine Winfield Jr. has been a difference maker for them on defense. They had him in the slot as a slot corner a year ago. Now he's going to move back and play more of a – center field role, you need turnovers from that guy. You know, you need turnovers from that guy. Um, And I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but I'll go back to the offense and say, if Rashad White's their RB1, you better get down and dirty, son, and and have more than one 100-yard game, you know, which he did against, uh, you know, against Seattle and Germany. He's going to have to be the workhorse. He's going to be the guy that they run it with, they throw it to. And and that, to me, almost as much as any position, like White's got to step up. White, you know, there's no Leonard Fournette. There's Keyshawn Bond behind him um, unless they make a deal late. So this is your show, and God knows, you know, you're not shy about talking about it. I see him everywhere for interviews and things like that, and, and I don't have a problem talking with him. Um, but I think Rashad is a name that they will have to say a lot about because of his ability to run, catch, um, all of that. And he seems comfortable um, externally in in that position, but let's see if he can put up the numbers because that's all this game is. It's all about, you know, when your number was called, did you produce? So the other stuff really matters, but he's going to get the bite of the apple and let's see what he does with it. All right, we'll end on this one, and Harlan had tweeted us. So sports reporters used to learn their craft covering prep sports which has largely been a budget casualty. How will this affect the next generation of journalists, and will there ever or even be a next generation, or will fan sites dominate? Well, I don't know. You know, to me, anybody can start a fan site, anybody with a computer um, or social media account. That, That is sort of the galaxy, right? Like, they're... It's infinite, okay? 
does it replace journalism? Does it affect journalism? I mean, maybe the consumer has a tougher time sort of determining what is news versus just noise. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, um, it, it's not going to be replaced. I mean, here's the thing. And I think I think people sometimes have blurred the lines between fan sites, um, social media, the loudest noise, and all of that against what is we refer to as sort of as mainstream journalism, mainstream media, um, the digital company that is places like the Tampa Bay Times, et cetera. There'll always be room for good reporting. There'll always be room for ob- objectivity. Um, and it's rare these days, and a lot of people don't know it when it hits them in the face. But, you know, this is a discipline. Journalism, journalism is something we go to school for. It's something you study. Um, there are law and ethics. Uh, it's protected by the First Amendment. Like, there is... It's so important they made it the First Amendment. And so, yeah, everyone has an opinion. Everyone can say whatever they want or write whatever they want. I'm not I'm not ready to just say it's so blurred that, you know, we're about to we're about to shutter and go out of business. Like there's a financial component to this that's sort of a different dynamic altogether. Um but no, with surrender I I, I know who reads what I write. I know how hard I work. Uh, and, and colleagues like, like mine, like Matt Baker, like Joey Knight, there's no question we're doing more with less. Um, there's no question that, uh, you know, the industry has fallen on, on difficult times and is trying to go about the business of, you know, providing information and all of that. It's not easy. But I I don't I don't think that, that there's a an either or here. Um, I think people, you know, sometimes they don't know the difference, and then when you show them the difference, they're upset about it. And I think that's what we've kind of has kind of gone on with USF and the back and forth and some of the stuff. And I thought that Matt Baker and Joey Knight did an unbelievable job talking about how UCF got ahead of USF and what happened and why that occurred. It's a great sort of forensic analysis of analysis of that whole thing. Will people like it? If you're a USF fan, probably not. If you're a UCF fan, absolutely. But it's factual based, you know, like it doesn't matter. It, it's it's there for everybody to see. So um I know there's been a lot of trolling and a lot of things that have gone on of late, but I still believe in this in in the industry. I believe in the business. I I know how hard I work, and my colleagues work, and you hear them on Sports to Tampa Bay all the time, and and we're going to continue to do those you know those shows and and promote that work because that's that's what the podcast is about. But you know, it's it's more about the way people consume information. And somebody said the other day that well, you guys have already lost the you've lost the battle, you've lost the war, you you know people are more interested in, in, in fan sites and this, that's fine. Go for it. Go to it. Like if you want to, I don't think it's an either or proposition. Um, and a lot of my, 
a lot of the guys I work with at, at One Buck all the time, they have just that, right? They have sites that are devoted for fans. Some of it's journalism and, and some of it's just fandom. Um, there's room for both. And, you know, we, we consume a lot of different products in our lives. And so um, I would just say you know what you're getting uh, if, if you're reading the Tampa Bay Times. And if you're not reading the Tampa Bay Times, you're reading a fan site, you should understand that that's their objective. That's, that's their mission statement. That's what they're about. It's different than what we are. Um, but both can exist and, and thrive, and that's what we're hoping to do. So I hope you guys you know, continue to read us and, 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 and take, you know, take it for what it's worth. We've talked about it all the time. Like it's hard sometimes to understand that people that cover local teams don't root for those teams. You know, you don't pull for those teams. I think there's an expectation and, and this is true and radio is a different animal altogether, but like no one's putting on the pom poms, you know, or the hats or the jerseys or any of that. Uh, we like, like to write the best stories. We want to report the most important stories and that's what we're going to continue to do. But um, I don't think, um, I, I just think it's a big universe of information out there. You got a lot of choices and hopefully you'll, you know, you'll choose to, to read us, to, to trust us and, and especially listen to us on Sports Day Tampa Bay because we enjoy doing this and it's a great platform and it's a chance to interact like with these mailbags and all of that. And, and, you know, that's that's sort of what I like about the the format and the forum is that you can respond and and have that that back and forth. All right, the Rays are in Seattle. They continue their West Coast trip, not the West Coast in Arizona, obviously now going to the West Coast against the Mariners. And you got the NHL in free agency. We'll see if there's any moves for the Lightning to be made. Um, certainly, they've you know now garnered a draft pick with the trade of Ross Colton, which might. Oldest daughter will never get over, but that's okay. That's a side. Um, but lots of NHL news over the weekend. So we will go back and review all of that over the weekend and talk to you guys on Monday. Thanks for listening, as always. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 